10, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 10. You know, we, we, over the last several weeks, we've been sharing uh, from the subject of fulfilling our purpose. And uh, I pray that something was said to enlighten you uh, and, and to, to urge you on to, to engage, right? Remember, we talked about those things, being engaged. Uh, I pray that something was said that would cause you to realize that there's a need for each one of us to be equipped. And I certainly hope you realize that there's a need for each one of us to be empowered by Holy Spirit, to be filled with his Holy Spirit, to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, amen, so that we can go forth and do the work of ministry. I am super excited about what God is going to do and is doing through this body of believers called the Elizabeth Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana. God has gifted us. He's put, he put giftings in his body to help us to go forth and do the work of ministry. So we're going to look, uh, we're going to jump into a little different uh, uh, vein of teaching. We're going to go along with what our study that we're doing uh, on Wednesdays. We'll be dealing with emotional, emotionally healthy spirituality. And today I want to deal with the subject that we studied on last week, the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. Everybody say emotionally unhealthy spirituality. Now, as we look at our text here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and we'll begin our reading at verse number 10, glory to God. The Apostle Paul is the writer of this text. And guys, you know, uh, a few, maybe it's last year around this time, we studied the book of 1 Corinthians. We studied this book and we titled it Scandalous, an inside look at the Corinthian church. And I think it's appropriate as we go into emotionally, uh, the problem of un- emotionally unhealthy spirituality today is to look at this Corinthian church because you all that study this know that the, the church at Corinth had some stuff going on. Everybody say they had some stuff going on. Everybody say some of the folks in the church at Corinth were tripping. Can I put it that way? Some of the folks in the church at Corinth had lost their mind as it relates to what it meant to be a born-again believer and to, to show forth God's grace and his anointing in the, in the, in the society in which they lived in. They were really uh, you know, messed up in a lot of ways. And as we study this uh, series, we understand and know that it's impossible to be spiritually mature when you're emotionally immature. And I got news for you. When we look at our church today, uh, there are a lot of people in the church who are emotionally immature. Can I get a witness? So the text says here, Paul is writing to the church. Everybody say the church. So he's not writing to unborn again believers. Because you can't be an unborn again believer because if you believe it, that means you're born again. He's not, write, he's not writing to unsaved folks. He's writing to what? The church at Corinth. Y'all got that? Don't miss that. He's writing to the church at Corinth. Now, notice what he says as we're going to go through and unpack some of this. He says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Text says this in the next verse. Says, for it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. So it says, say somebody in the house of Chloe dropped a dime on the Corinthian church. Somebody told it on him. Text says, for it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Verse number 12, let's read together. It says, now this I say, that every one of you said, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas. Let's keep reading. It says what? Uh, now, this, uh, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. He goes on to say, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. Okay? And we're going to stop right uh, uh, 
16 and 17 real quick. Uh, and I baptized also the household of Stephanas. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. Verse says this, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with the word, wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of non-effect. Now, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church at Corinth, and he heard about some things that was happening in this church. Some things that gave, will give all of us a clue. And if you see this happening in churches today, it'll give you a, a clue also that this church was, was emotionally unhealthy. This church had a high level of spiritual immaturity, immaturity permeating throughout the body. And this emotional unhealthiness and this and this lack of spiritual maturity was affecting the ability of this church to be able to go out and transform the community in which it was serving in. Are y'all listening to me today? And so Paul is right here to try to, to combat some of the issues. He, first thing is he addressed, again, he addressed these church problems, but he, he, he addressed divisions in the church. Everybody say divisions in the church. I've told you before and I'll say it again. The enemy loves to divide. And again, he doesn't care what kind of division it is, whether it's along racial lines, whether it's along political lines, whether it's along geographic lines. The devil knows that if he can keep us divided, he can keep us not in a position where we're not walking in our God-ordained anointing. Can I get a witness? If he can keep the church divided, if he can keep your family divided, Hear me carefully, folks. If he can keep your family divided, he can keep your family from being a blessing to the church in which that family resides. So the devil is all about division. He wants to divide the husband and wife. He wants to divide the mother and the child. Can I get a witness? The father and the child. He don't care. Division is what he does. The church at Corinth, guys, was in a sad state. The fellowship among these believers, hear me carefully, had deteriorated to such a degree that it was about to collapse. It was about to just break apart. And so there was was severe division and dissension within the ranks of the membership of this church. There were verbal accusations going on, uh, different opinions, uh, competitive positioning going on, uh, power struggles, envy, contention, grumbling, griping, complaining, sound like the church today, doesn't it? Uh, uh, Murmuring, quarreling, attacking, and gossiping. All this happening in the church at Corinth. L- listen, believer was standing against believer, uh, and there was n- no no give in any corner. Everybody was just decided, I'm gonna do things my way. Disaster was about to strike the church, and the church was divided, and a severe split was getting ready to happen with this church. And so Paul writes because somebody had told him about this issue. Now Paul was very instrumental in this church's development and his growth. So guys, let me tell you something. When people, uh, let, let, let me back up. I don't say people. As your pastor, I want to, I want to make sure that I'm doing my part to, to set an atmosphere where you can grow as a born-again believer. Are y'all with me today? As your pastor, I want to make sure you have no excuse for saying I didn't know, which by the way, I'm going to say something to you. Make sure you start reading your emails and your text messages that you get from the church, okay? I know some of y'all say, well, I don't carry my phone with me. I don't have a computer, whatever. Uh, if you check email, if you check your email as faithfully as you do your Facebook account, we'll be all right. Hello? Make sure that you check in when we send stuff out so that you can know what's going on. Can I get a witness? But, but, but I, I want you to know what's going on. I don't want you to get to the beam of judgment of Christ and say, God, Jesus... Uh, my pastor, daughter, I'm saying, didn't teach me about that. I don't want you to go up and say, uh, uh, Jesus, I would have did better, but pastor didn't tell me any better. He let me go when I was doing what I was doing, so I thought it was all right to do what I was doing because pastor never said anything about what I was doing. That, the devil is a liar. Your pastor's going to preach from the Bible, and your pastor doesn't care who it hits. This ain't personal, baby. This is spiritual. And I have, a, I have a, a, a charge to keep that I have and a God to glorify. And I'm going to preach the word of God because I refuse to go to the beam of the of Christ and Jesus Christ dressed me down because I wouldn't tell you the truth because I thought it was going to hurt your feelings. You're going to get mad and leave the church. I told you before, 
10, at least 10 or 15% of the time, maybe 20% of the time, you ought to just have a boot in your mouth with me because I'm going to be coming to your house delivering your mail. And when I deliver your mail, don't you put it back in that mailbox. You open that thing up and you read it because it's good for what ails you. So Paul, is, 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 as he writes this letter here to the church at Corinth, is exercising his apostolic authority, his oversight authority over this church. And he had heard about the divisions in the church. He's writing to address these divisions in the church. He's also writing to address disorder in the church. Now, again, uh, last week, uh, disorder in the church. I told you that the Corinthian church was a church that was very zealous as it relates to spiritual giftings. And, 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 but they had gotten out of order. They were doing things out of order. Go back real quickly, and I want, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. But go back real quick to 1 Corinthians 14, chapter, which is where we left off uh, talking about uh, last week uh, as it relates to the gift of tongues, as it relates to being baptized with the Holy Spirit and that initial evidence of that baptism being the speaking of the tongue as the Spirit gives utterance. We notice in Acts, the 10th chapter, where the Jews... Christians did not believe that the Gentiles had the same experience that they had until they heard them speaking of the tongues. That was a sign to those non-believing Jews. They were Jewish Christians who didn't believe that the Gentiles could have the same experience they had. And so when they heard them speaking of the tongues, they cannot deny the fact that the Gentiles had the same experience that they had on the day of Pentecost. Now you look at verse chapter number 15, uh, uh, Chapter 1 Corinthians 14, look at verse number 13. Go to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 13. We're going to read there real quickly. Because, guys, I want you to know something. Disorder in the church can keep a church from being effective in reaching its community. Disorder, uh, let me ask you a question. Back up. How many of y'all's house sometimes is, is out of order? Has your house ever been out of order? I mean, just, I mean, let, let's just say uh, cleanup wise. How many of y'all keep a junk? Any of y'all keep a junky house? Oh, okay, ain't nobody gonna admit that today. Okay, y- y'all want to admit that? Uh, see, see, if, if I tell you I'm coming over, uh, listen, in next thirty minutes I'll be at your house, and you have to hold me off because you got clothes all on the floor in the living room. There's a problem. Your house is out of order. I think we got some junky folks up in here. Y'all, y'all don't want to talk to me. See, disorder means that it's not able to function. Your house is not ready to host me because you got it out of order. Sometimes our families are out of order. Disorder in the family because we've allowed the child to now be the one who drives the agenda for the family. We've allowed, amen, mother-in-law to drive the agenda for the family. We've allowed father-in-law to drive the agenda for the family when the Bible says explicitly that a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh, but you still let mom and daddy run your house. Everybody say that's out of order? Huh? That's, everybody say that's out of order? We have disorder in families. We have disorder on jobs. Because if I'm on a job, if I'm in my place of employment, I have a responsibility, according to the word of God, to follow those who, whose authority I fall up under, even when I don't necessarily think that's the best decision to make. As long as it's not illegal, then I have a responsibility to do what the one who's above me told me to do. Hello? Because ultimately it's going to be their responsibility when it don't work out. So I, and we have disorder in the church too because people don't feel like you can tell me what to do or I don't have a, a moral obligation to do whatever I don't want to do because I'm grown. Baby, let me tell you something. Nobody gets too grown in the body of Christ to submit to authority. Can I get a witness? So, so, so this church had disorder and I told you on last week that in chapters 10 through 14, they were dealing with the issue of of, of, of edification, whatever is done in the church should be done to do what? To edify the entire body. So that was disorder in the church because in Corinth, uh, nobody was getting blessed because everybody jumped up and had a word of wisdom, word of, of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, uh, uh, healing, gifting were flowing in the church, but there was no order. So Paul says, whatever's done in the corporate assembly should be done to do what? To edify the corporate body. He says, wherefore let him that speak in the unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. 
Because I can't get edified if I don't know what's being said. Look at the next verse. Let's read. It says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I'm praying in tongues, but I don't know what I'm saying with my natural mind. Y'all following this? Now, this is what's happening in the corporate assembly. Notice how Paul says, let's get this thing back in order. Watch what he says. For uh, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit. I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Next verse, let's read. This is what? Else when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupied the room, we in this room occupied it, of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks. You may be saying give God thanks, but if I don't know what you're saying, I, I, can't, I can't amen that. Right? He says, uh, how can, he says, uh, how shall he that occupied the room of the unlearned say amen if thou give him thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? Watch what it says here. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not what? Edified. The principle of edification is happening in chapters 10 through 14. And Paul said, whatever you do in this corporate assembly, it should be done that everybody gets edified. Watch what the next verse says. Come on, let's go. I thank my God. Watch Paul says. Paul said, I speak with tongues more than all y'all. Paul did not have a problem with tongues. All right, if you Baptist and say, we don't believe in tongues, it ain't, it ain't up to you to believe in it, it's in the Bible. Paul says, he's writing to a New Testament church and he says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than all you all. Is that what he said? But watch what else he said because he's dealing with edification. Yet what in the church I'd rather speak five words with my understanding. There was five words that, that in my natural language, you can understand what I'm saying, uh, that, that by my voice, I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue in the corporate assembly. So we're trying to edify everybody. Watch what he says. Let's go. Move. Talk about disorder. Brethren, be not children in understanding. How be it in malice be children, but in understanding be men. Watch this. Watch this. It says, in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that, that they will not hear me, said the Lord. Next verse says what? Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not to them that believe not, but for them which believe. In other words, if I'm prophesying, I'm declaring what thus said the Lord. And, and, and you that are born again believer ought to want to know what thus said the Lord. Watch this. Says, if therefore the whole church be come together into one place, which we are like now, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are either what? Unlearned. In other words, they're born again, but they hadn't been taught about spiritual gifts. If you're in an environment where you have a, a, a collective group of people coming together, but there's somebody who's unlearned, had not been taught about spiritual gifts. Now, EBC, you've been taught. Before, now and again, we come back around, you've been taught about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or baptism with the Holy Spirit and that being evidenced by speaking other tongues. And so we're not scared of tongues. Are you following me? Watch this. If therefore the whole church be come together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are what? Either unlearned or unbelievers. What are they going to say? Will they not say you are mad? Will they not say y'all crazy up there? If all of us are speaking in tongues and there's no interpretation going on, watch what he says. Next verse is what? This is disorder. But if all prophesy and there come in one that believe it not or one unlearned, he's convinced of all, he's judged of all. Watch what he says. Next verse. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. In other words, you said something they could understand. Guys, he was not, dealing, he was not saying tongues is, is not for the church today or it's, it's not relevant. He was just saying that if I'm going to speak in tongues in a corporate assembly, the companion gift of the interpretation of tongue needs to be there because if it's not, people can't get edified. And when we come together corporately, we come together not for disorder, but we come together so that everybody can get what? Edified. Built up. So he's dealing with the issue of disorder. Now, let's keep moving, okay? So let's get back, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 10. What exhortation does he give here in verse number 10? Three things. Number one, to agree in speech. Guys, listen to all of us are different. All of us have different personality. Uh, all of us are, are uniquely and wonderfully made. But what Paul is talking about here is, let's go back to, and we're going to take a look at it uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Look at verse number 10. What he's talking about as a Christian, as a born-again believer, he says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all do what? 
speak the same thing. All right, that means to agree and speak, to speak the same thing. What do you mean, but Pastor? We are, you just said we're all different. How can we speak the same thing? Well, let me take, let me let me let's just back it down a little bit. Philippians two and five says, "Let this mind be in you that's also what in Christ Jesus." In other words, if if I have the mind of Christ and you have the mind of Christ, if we got the same mind, we all be speaking the same thing. All right. If if husband and wife have the same word on marriage and they they got the same word and they agree that that word is God's prophetically inspired word there and they agree that I'm going to do my part, come on, with the word that I know, then how is it that husband and wife keep getting divorced in the church over and over again? If we got the same mind. If somebody's lying about having the mind of Christ. That's why you have this happening. Somebody's not telling the truth about being, having a mind renewed with the word of God because if my mind is renewed with the word of God, yours is renewed with the word of God. I'm talking about basic fundamental teachings of Christ. I'm not talking about stuff that, that maybe theologically there's a, there's a dividing line. I'm talking about basic love your neighbor as yourself. How do you, how do you misinterpret that? You can't because it's very simple. Love, amen, begins to extend beyond ourselves. It's the agape love. So if we got the same mind, we all be saying the same thing. I didn't say it. Paul said it. Let's read out loud. Now, I do what? Come on, y'all read with me. Let's, let's go. I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all do what? Speak the same thing. In other words, to agree in speech. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be what? Perfectly joined together in the same mind and in what? Same judgment. So look at those three things. What what is he exhorting this Corinthian church to do? Because again, the Corinthian church had some problems. They had some emotionally unhealthy people in the church. And as a result, it, 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 it manifested itself in some of their behavior. There was arguing, division, fussing and fighting. There was sexual immorality going on in the church. There was arrogancy, amen, permeating throughout the, the church body because people thought that their gift made them better than somebody else. So, number one, to agree in speech. Number two, to allow no dissension or division. That's what he said, be, be joined together. Don't you allow, don't allow yourself be the, don't you be the one who caused division in the church. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't you be the one that caused division in the church. It happens all the time, guys. And we got to make sure that we don't. So to allow no division or dis, uh, no dissension or division. And third, to be joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Those are the three things he ex- he's exhorting this church to do. Now, let's, let's, let's skip to this next part here. We got to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14. We have to understand the spiritual stages of man because uh, when we look at this thing, sometimes we don't understand where people are. And sometimes we have people in the church that may be in either one of these three phases or these three stages of manhood. Sometimes we have people in the church who, who, who are unregenerate. And we'll look at that in just a second here. So the first thing is, uh, the first thing is in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 14, let's read it again. It says, what? But people, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds what? Foolish to them. Let's back up. If you can, back up. Let's back up a few verses there. And I want to start 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Let's, let's back up uh, to, go, go to verse 12 if you, if you can get there right quick. It says, and we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Who's talking here? Who's he talking to? The church at Corinth. He's writing to born-again believers. Born-again believers who are wrought with division, bickering, fussing, fighting, sexual immorality, all kind of stuff going on in the church. I need need you to let that sink in. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. 
And this is what's happening in the church. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Look at what the next verse says. Write this. When we tell you these things, we don't use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain what? Spiritual things. Notice what it says. We speak words given to us by the spirit, the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I'm not going to share with you anything other than what the Holy Spirit tells me. And he says, we speak words given to us by the spirit using the spirit's words to explain what? Spiritual truth. Now watch what he says in verse number 14. Here's where some of y'all getting messed up. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. All right. You can have people in the church who are not spiritual. Would y'all agree with me? There are people in the church that still got a lot of cuss in them. They ain't got a little cuss. They got a lot of cuss still in them. There are folks in the church who still struggle with sexual temptation to the level that they ain't controlling themselves. There are people in the church who still have a gossipy spirit. Child, have you heard? Now, I ain't one to gossip. Yes, you are. You absolutely are. Because you're always telling stuff that you really have no business telling. So the praying, you talking. People who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. And they can't understand it for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Now, watch this. Keep moving. Let's go. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. People don't understand you when you're spirit-minded. They can't understand it why you didn't go back and do some dirt to that person who did dirt to you. Can't understand it. They can't understand it why you're still praying for those who despitefully use you. Can't understand it why you're giving that person a ride who treats you bad last week. Can't understand why you're still at work helping that person who tried to dig a ditch for you to make you look bad. Can't understand it. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but those themselves cannot be evaluated by others. Let's keep reading. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have what? The mind of Christ. You got to have the mind of Christ and be able to understand the things of God. Let's keep reading. Next verse says what? Let's go. Um, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Let's go. I think... uh, if we'll go, go, go to the next chapter. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are y'all still tracking with me today? Guys, we got to make sure that we're in a position to where we are not allowing division to take over our mindset. Notice what he says here. Again, he's writing to this church, and we got to deal with the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. Who is Paul writing to? Talk to me. Who? The church at Corinth. What does he tell the church at Corinth? You know it's a church because he calls, he says, dear what? Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters had nothing to do with ethnicity. It had everything to do with whether or not they were in the Lord or not in the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. Next verse. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. <laughs> You're still not ready. Now, it's, it's a sad commentary, guys, when we've been saved 5, 10, 15, 20 years and we still can't receive spiritual meat. We're still on baby food. I think what I'm going to do one Sunday, I'm going to come and bring some Gerber baby food. I'm going to walk around it handed, no, I'm going to do If you, the next time you start acting and thinking like a baby, I'm going to, I'm going to get Kiara to order me some, some, some Gerber baby food. I'm going to say, here, here, eat this, eat this. Because that's going to be indicative of the mindset. Guys, we got to grow. It makes no sense for us to be in the Lord 10, 15, 20 years and still, we're, we're still baby. We're still gossiping. We still get our little feelings hurt over the, the most minute things. Watch this. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food because you weren't ready to, for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. Verse three and four. For you are still controlled by your what? Sinful nature. Watch this. You are jealous of one another when jealousy comes in. That's a sign of spiritual immaturity. 
Some folks just don't like Kathy and you because of the way you stay. She thinks she's something. She is something. She's a child of God. Hello? And if God has blessed her, he's blessed her. So why are you hating on somebody who the Lord has blessed in whatever way he's blessed her? Man, we have a, a, a poor mindset. Listen, I've learned a long time ago, I'm going to rejoice when you rejoice. When God blesses you, when he heals your body, when he blesses you financially, I'm going to rejoice with you. Man, I want to see you do good. I want to see God, amen, elevate you. I, 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 I'm going to shout almost as hard as you. Can I get a witness? For you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Next verse is what? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, another says, I follow Paulus, aren't you acting just like people of the world? Aren't you, aren't you acting like the world who just lines up beside, behind a certain man, a certain politician, and that's who you got your faith and trust in, behind a certain preacher or a certain whatever, and you following that person, and, and, and that's, that's the sign of immaturity. Are y'all with me today? So, so we got to deal with, so, so we got... We, we got, look at these three types of men here. Uh, he, just, he talks about the natural man. The natural man, he doesn't, he doesn't receive the things of the spirit. He considers them foolishness and he is incapable, spiritually speaking. The natural man is the person who's unregenerate, who's never made a personal decision to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior and to believe on Jesus. That person cannot understand spiritual things because the things of God are spiritually discerned. So we have the natural man. That's a person who's unregenerate. And some of y'all have family members who you think they say, but they, they, they're really in the natural state because just because they've been in church for 30 years don't mean that they say. And that's why they can do something that they do and have no remorse because they ain't really say. They in the church. Yeah, they have a deacon board. They may be preaching from the pulpit or ushering on the usher's door, but have not had a born again experience. And you keep trying to talk to them about spiritual things, they ain't gonna understand that. Because they're still in that natural man state. He doesn't receive the things of the Spirit, he considers them foolishness, and he's incapable, spiritually speaking. So, natural man. Then we have the spiritual man, verse 15, 16 of that same second, second chapter. The spiritual man, he, he discerns all things. Uh, the spiritual man, he, he, he's, not, he's not understood by the natural man. Folks who are not saved can't understand why you come here every week. Folks who are not saved can't understand why you would support the work of ministry with your tithes, offering, and sacrificial giving. Folks in the ministry can't understand why you would help somebody who you don't even know. They actually think that's foolishness. But they can't understand, this. the natural man cannot understand the spiritual man. So he is not understood by the natural man, the spiritual man is not. And then the reason he has the mind, he has the mind in the spirit of Christ. So if you don't have the mind in the spirit of Christ, uh, you can be in church and not really understand those who are walking with God and walking in close proximity to God. So then the, the, third, the third type is the carnal mind. The carnal man. The carnal man. This is a worldly or fleshly man. He's not spiritual. He's not, he's not mature. He's a babe in Christ. Saved, but just not having grown. He has to be fed with milk and not the meat of the word. He can't, he can't digest the deeper things of the word of God. Because again, you guys know this, all of you who had, who had newborn babies, those newborn babies cannot digest certain things at certain age, right? Usually we bring them home from the hospital, we don't start off by feeding them baby food. We, we start out with a milk bottle, formula, breast feeding, whatever you do. But it starts out with milk and as that baby's system begins to mature and grow, then you, you, you move from milk to soft baby food. Then you get to where they can eat some chicken. How many of y'all were glad today when your child started eating chicken? Some, some of y'all shouldn't have stopped eating chicken. They, they eat. So, guys, you go from milk to, to the, 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 the softer things of the word of God to the media or the weightier matters of the law. There's a progression that God wants us to go through. So the carnal mind, the carnal man that... The carnal man, he's not spiritually mature. He's a babe in Christ. He has to be fed with milk and not with the meat of the word. And he's characterized by division, by division. Now, guys, you know, a lot of churches are full of baby Christians. I'm not, it's not my call to decide whether or not you're born again or not. That's, that's above my pay grade. 
God is the one who knows your heart. Because people can put on a front. They can look like they know the Lord. They can do all the right things. But we, we're understanding that that don't mean that you're really born again. God looks at the heart. So now, guys, uh, w- 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 one thing we learned um, in our study from this past week, according to polls conducted by Gallup and, uh, and the Barner Group and others, one of the greatest scandals of our day, he said, is that evangelical Christians are as likely to embrace lifestyles every bit as sinful, materialistic, self-centered, and sexually immoral as the world in general. In other words, when they did surveys and people were dead level honest, church folk, born again believers, lifestyle was just like those who were not even born again. That's sad, guys. Church members divorce their spouses as often as their secular neighbors do. Church members beat their wives as often as their neighbors do. You're a deacon. And beating your wife. Domestic violence. I believe we got some women in this church where we're not put up with that kind of caring up. And, 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 and I'm telling you, don't put up with that. Call somebody. Put that rascal in jail and don't go back to him until he can get some counseling. And I ain't talking about just talking one time to his mom or dad. I mean some extensive counseling. Hello, church folks. Church members beat their wives as often as their neighbors. Church members' giving patterns indicate that they are almost as materialistic as non-Christians. White evangelicals are the most likely people to object to neighbors of another race. Of the high commitment evangelicals, a rapidly growing number of young people, hear me careful, a lot of our young people in our churches now think living together, or we call it shacking, they think ain't nothing wrong with it, it's okay. Just to live together without commitment. That's the kind of mindset that's in the church today. And it stems from the fact that there is some emotional unhealthiness that's permeating through our churches, through our body of believers. Let's go back and look at our symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality that we talked about this past week. First one we talked about was what? Number one, using God to run from God. Everybody say using God to run from God. This happens when I fill my life with Christian activities to avoid addressing difficult issues in my life. I'm just doing a whole lot of stuff. I'm just busy. I'm just busy. I'm going here. I've got this going. I got this going. Oh, I got choir rehearsal. I got this going. I'm doing this here. I'm, I'm just busy. You using God to run from God. In other words, you, you're busy doing stuff for God, but you don't allow God to address the issues that are going on in your life. And so you never really take a hard look at yourself. Let's go right quick to Matthew the seventh chapter, verse number twenty-one. Matthew chapter number 7, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 21. Using God to run from God. This is a lot of us in the church. Text says, not everyone that said to me, this is Jesus talking, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Next verse says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? All the people who try to work their way to heaven. Watch what he says. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you work, ye that work iniquity. Next verse says, well, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Next verse says what? And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Text says, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Text says, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Next verse says what? And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things the people were astonished at his doctrine. 29, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Man, they were amazed at Jesus' teaching because Jesus was teaching under the anointing of Holy Ghost. Now listen, I, I, I wish I could say that every sermon I, that, that, that I ever preached was a hot sermon and everybody just, 
It blew everybody's mind. It transformed your life. But the fact of the matter is that sometimes I miss it. I hope I'm not like, like the scribes who, want, who doesn't teach under the authority. I want to teach under the authority of the Holy Spirit. They were amazed. They were astonished that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was speaking in such an authoritative type way. But what he says is don't miss the point. Don't spend all your time doing stuff and running around and, 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 and using that as an excuse not to deal with the issues in your life that God wants to deal with. We can stay busy doing church work and never address the internal issues that are really causing us not to be as effective in our walk with the Lord. So using God to run from God. God, don't, don't, don't touch that area. I don't, I don't want you to touch that area. I'm not going to let you into that area in my life. Because I've been hurt and I don't let anybody in there. I don't care, Pastor, I know what you're saying, but, but you know what? I'm just going I'm to, I, I, I ain't saying nothing about that. I'm just going let, to let, let sleeping dogs lie. Baby, let me tell you something. One, one of the things that hurts us as Christians is when we don't address those things, things from the past or things from our immediate future. God wants all of us to be whole emotionally. And so one of the pro- symptoms of emotional unhealthy spirituality is when you're using God to run from God. Second thing we talked about was ignoring the emotions of anger, sadness, and fear. Go to Ephesians 4, 26. I'm rarely honest with myself and others about the feelings, the hurts, and pains beneath the surface of my life. Let me ask y'all a question. How many of y'all, when sometimes you're dealing with somebody who you're in relationship with, whether it's a family member or a church member, and you can't be honest with them when maybe they say something hurts your feelings or you get mad at them or get angry. How many of y'all kind of push it aside and don't really tell them that what you did hurt me or injured me or I'm afraid or I'm fearful or I'm angry about that? How many of y'all kind of smoothed it over? Come on, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. How many of you kind of smooth stuff over with your mama, with your fellow church member? You, don't, you, don't really, you really don't tell them what you really feel. Okay, y'all looking at me like that, all right? So all of y'all just, uh, yeah, I, I know I'm right about it. All of us, I think at some point in time, have, 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 have ceased to really uh, uh, acknowledge what we're really feeling, anger, sadness, and fear. Look at what it says in Ephesians 4, 26, as it relates to anger. Because anger, you know, it used to be, we, we always thought that if you got mad or angry that you would be non, you were not being spiritual. But that's not the case. Jesus got angry, didn't he? Y'all remember when he chased those rascals out of the temple who were taking advantage of God's people? Look at what scripture text says. Ready? Let's read together. It says what? Be ye angry. Why in the world with the Bible tell us to be ye angry? You be angry. As I understood you there, you be angry and sin not. That tells me I can be in anger and not have to go into sin. As a matter of fact, he's cautioning us that anger can be expressed, but don't let it go into sinful behavior. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. And he says in the next verse, what? Neither give place to the devil. Giving place to the devil means that I allow the devil to have a position and a place in my heart and in my decision making because I was angry and I didn't know how to express it and I didn't know how to control it. Be ye angry, but don't sin. Can I put this way? Be ye angry, but don't cuss anybody out. Be ye angry, but don't throw hands. Be ye angry and don't go do dirt to try to get somebody else in trouble because you were mad at them. Be angry, but be spiritual at the same time. Be angry and don't go into sin, okay? So, so you know that you're emotionally unhealthy, spiritually speaking, when you ignore the emotions of anger, sadness, and fear. Oh, Pastor, I'm all right. I'm like, no, you're not. You were in the meeting and, and, you, and I saw the countenance on your face drop, but you lied about what you were really feeling. Hello? I, but Pastor, I, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm all right. The Lord just led me to not come to that class anymore because, you know, he just told me he's going to deal with me individually. That's a lie from the pits of hell. You, you wouldn't be honest enough to say that, that the teacher said something and you were offended by what they said rather than going to the person and telling them about it. You decide you're going to just back out. 
How many of y'all just backed away because you got offended, but what was were not you were not spiritual enough at that time to go and tell the person who you were offended with them and what it was about. And a lot of times we get offended over stuff that we know when we really sit down with it, it's really not, it really, <laughs> we, we won't go and tell it because sometimes when we really evaluate it, it's really foolish. But we got to still be able to talk about it because if, if I don't deal with myself, then I'm going to bury that feeling and I'm going to become bitter and resentful toward that person rather than going and saying, you know what, when you said that, here's what, how that made me feel. I, I, I was a little ticked off at you, Pastor. You were. What did I say to make you ticked off to me? Well, you said something. I thought you were talking to me. Well, baby, thank you for listening to my sermon. But listen, I love you, but nobody in here, y'all don't believe this when I say this. Nobody in here is that important that I'm going to direct the sermon toward you. That would be asinine. Because everybody else here need to be fair. I'm going, okay, okay, listen. Okay, here it is. Here, right here in my notes. All right, say that because they're going to hit Mary Stewart right between the eyes. And then I'm going to walk over there. Sometimes I'm walking, guys. I'm walking and I'm looking past you. I'm looking at you and you'll be swearing. He looked at me when, I, when he said that. I promise you, I'm looking at people, but I'm not looking. If I start staring at Charles now, Charles know that. But most of the time I'm looking out beyond you. And sometimes people, because of maybe what, they, what, they, what they're doing, what they're involved in, they thought I knew what they were involved in, so I spoke to them. I promise you that... The, I don't, I'm not that little. And don't you be that little, okay? I'm going to come and share with you the word of God to help grow each and every one of us in here, okay? So ignoring the emotions of anger, sadness, and fear. When you ignore that and don't deal with it properly, don't address it, that's a sign of emotional unhealthiness. Let's go to the next one. Dying to the wrong things. Dying to the wrong things. I tend to deny healthy, God-given desires and pleasures of life such as friendships, joy, music, beauty, laughter, and nature. At the same time, I find it difficult to die to my self-protectiveness, my defensiveness, my lack of vulnerability, and my judgmentalism. Well, so, but Pastor, what, what are you talking about? See, some, some people think that to be spiritual to me, you can't have fun. Y'all ever met them kind of Christian? Every time you see them, they're looking deep. They got that look on their face. We come into the house of the Lord. We serious. Now, listen, I'm serious at all times, but laughter do it good like a medicine. I tell you before, if, you, if you're going to be around our family, you, you better learn to laugh because we, 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 like, we, we like laughing. We don't want to be in that position where we're allowing all of the things that happen in our life to keep us from being in a joyful mood. We're going to laugh. It's okay to, 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 to pursue things in life and, and, and be okay with God. Sometimes we die to the wrong thing. Look what the text says in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse number 17. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse number 17. Dying to the wrong things. Look at what it says here in 1 Timothy 6 17. Charge them or command them that are rich in this world that they not be high-minded, or that they not, they not be arrogant, nor trust in what? Uncertain riches. But watch this last part. But trust in what? The living God. What does the living God do? He giveth us richly all things, what? To enjoy. Have you ever had somebody talk about you because you bought a new car? Why do you need that new car? You don't need that. Well, Stafford wants you to buy a new car. He, 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 he needs to feed, feed, feed himself and Kathy. Buy some cars, right, Stafford? All right. Listen, people will start to come against you because you did something that you, God, allowed to do. He says, he giveth us what? Richly all things to do what? Nothing wrong with enjoying life. But we think that that, that, that it's a sin to enjoy things. It's not. Sometimes, again, dying to the wrong things, uh, we, we get into a position where we think that we can't have uh, friendships. We can't have uh, we can't enjoy music. We can't enjoy uh, laughter. We can't enjoy just being out in nature, doing, doing, doing things that, that, that relaxes us, dying to the wrong thing. Fourth thing, denying the past's impact on the present. I'm going to spend a whole lot of time, we'll talk about this later on, but denying the past impact on the present. I, you can know you do this when you rarely consider how my family of origin and significant people events from my past have shaped my present. Sometimes People have trouble trusting because they were in a relationship, 
20 years ago that, that, that trust was violated. This happens a lot of times when you have blended families or you've been married before, you allow the things that happened in the marriage before to come over into the new marriage. You allow the things that happened when you were growing up. Maybe you were hurt. Maybe you were teased by your brothers and sisters or, or everybody in the family. And now you have a, a consciousness about certain things when it's said and it triggers something in you. And you didn't realize it triggered something in you until you start going through this class and realizing that, that my, 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 my past will impact my future if I don't learn how to go back and look at it and examine it and then allow the Holy Spirit to free me from that. You cannot effectively move forward looking backwards. I can walk down these steps, but looking back, but if I'm not careful, and I'm being real careful, right? If I came real fast, I'm not going to fall. Y'all looking at me now. But if I try to do that, coming down real fast, I, I, I promise you I'll tumble over these stairs and, and be on, uh, on, my, on my butt on the ground there. Because you can't effectively go forward being tied to your past. Go back, appreciate it, understand it, let God heal you from it, but don't be tied to it like a ball and chain. There are kids still today, 35, 40, 50 years old, still blaming their mom and dad for where they are right now. Come on. Denying the past impact on the present. Things do happen and they affect us. Let's learn how they are affecting us. Learn how your family's upbringing shapes how you handle stuff today or whether or not you're willing to talk about stuff. Now, I'll tell you this before. One of the things that I've struggled with, uh, I've, I've had to deal with as an adult, is learning how to express my, my feelings uh, uh, with my, my wife and others in the family because I wasn't accustomed to doing that. I mean, you know, I love my mom and dad. We never sat down and had no deep conversation about things of substance. I mean, we talked about school, make sure you get your grades because you couldn't bring, you couldn't bring C's home at the Adams household. Not when you can make A's and B's. You follow me? We talked about school, we talked about sports, we talked about what you're going to go to college, but we didn't talk about how you feel about that. How you feel about it? Get your butt in there and just do it. I mean, we never had those conversations where we talked about relationships. Am I the only one? Am I the only one sitting there? Now, I'm, I'm, I got the mic, I understand it, but I need somebody to look at me and say, we didn't talk about much either, Pastor, as it relates to feelings and, and, and understanding this. And understanding. No, 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 that, that never happened. And, and, and part of the reason why it never happened because they never had, never had it done with them. So they couldn't do what they hadn't had done to them and they hadn't been taught about it. But I'm trying to teach you so that now you can break the curse. I'm trying to teach you so you can learn how to express yourself to those who you're in relationship with. But I, I, I love mom and daddy, but we didn't talk about stuff like that. Am I, I, I need to see some hands. Am I the only one? We ain't talking about stuff like that. So I, I, so I, I had to learn. Everybody say, he learning. All right. All right. So, so. Don't deny the past impact on the present. Your past does impact you, whether you realize it or not. Number five, dividing life into secular and sacred compartment. In other words, John 15, verse number seven. Let's go to right quick. John 15, verse number seven. Hurry, hurry, hurry. My goodness. Guys, I'm going to stop after number five and I'll pick up on next week. Can I do that? And, and, we, and we'll, we'll roll into the this, into this second one, okay? I, I, I don't want to hold you too long today, but look, look, look at what Jesus says here. Dividing life into secular and the sacred. In other words, I easily compartmentalize God to Christian activities while usually forgetting about him when I'm working, shopping, studying, or, or recreating or doing my thing. Guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Some of, some of y'all listen to me here in the church and listen to via live stream. You do the same thing with God. You, you, you put God in a box. In other words, you don't allow him around your house. So that, that's, that's why you can do some stuff that you know really probably is not conducive for your Christian walk in your house. And you say, this, this is my house. This, you know, we, we're going to throw a party. And when we throw our party, we, don't nobody party like, this, like the Smiths party. Well, how do the Smiths party? How do, how do the Johnsons party? How do the, how do the, the, uh, the uh, whoever, the, uh, the, uh, the Washingtons party? Guys, you can't, if you belong to God, you can't pick God up on Sunday and laying down Monday through Saturday. 
That's not what a relationship is all about. A relationship involves connectivity. It involves covenant relationship. It involves having God with you at all times. You can't pick him up on Sunday and put him down on Saturday when you're doing your thing. And here's what's happening. Again, surveys tell us that in a lot of, a lot of Christians' lives are not any different than the world. Now, I want to ask you a question. What about your life? Are you doing the same thing that the world is doing? Are you out whoremonging like the world is doing? Sexual immorality. Are you out drinking, getting drunk? Are you out doing whatever you want to do when you're away from here and then come in here and be, oh, glory, hallelujah. No, no, no. Guys, we got to get right. Look at what Jesus said here. I'm going to stop on this. He says, well, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be what? It should be done unto you. Next verse says what? Let's read. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. That you bear much fruit. As the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Text says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. How do you continue his love? If you keep his commandments. Even as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. So there's a connection that Jesus makes here. He says, if you're going to abide in my love, that means you got to keep my commandments. These things, what? Have I did what? Come on, read with me. These things have I did what? Have I spoken unto you that, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full? Watch, watch this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. How many of y'all want to be a friend of Jesus? Watch what it says here. Watch this. Next verse. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I've called you what? Friends. For all things that I've heard of my father, I've made known unto you. 16 and 17. Watch this. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. He says, I'm going to call you friend. I'm, I'm telling you what the Father told me. God, Jesus wants to be your friend. Did y'all hear what he just said? He said, I'm not going to call y'all service anymore. I'm calling you my friends. Because I'm telling you what, what the Father told me. He wants to be your friend. These things I command you that you do what? Love one another. He even says in another passage, that another verse, that the world is going to know that the Father sent me by the love that you have one to another. So guys, I'm telling you, the world is doubting the validity of our Christianity because too many of us are emotionally unhealthy. We're walking in emotionally unhealthy spirituality and we're doing things just like the Corinthian church. We live in one way on Sunday and then another way the rest of our time. We compartmentalize in God. We say, God, you here for Sunday morning, but all the other time I'm going to do me. Jesus said, that's not, that that doesn't work. So what I want to challenge you to do as we go through this study, we continue to go through, I want to challenge each one of us in here to look at ourselves. Remember the study said, quit talking about we and us and them. Talk about me. I do this. Not talking about, well, people. No, not people. What about you? Self-evaluation. Are you with me today? The problem of unhealthy emotionally spirituality. You cannot be spiritually mature when you're emotionally immature. And we got too many emotionally immature people in the church, just like the church at Corinth. And it's causing problems. It's rendering us ineffective in being able to reach a dying world who needs to know Christ Jesus. Jesus gave his life for each one of us out on Calvary's Hill. Sacrificed his life so that we could have a personal relationship with him. And if you've got a relationship with him, guys, let me tell you something. If, you, if you're in covenant relationship with God the Father, that he wants you to make sure that you are, are, are relationally intact with your fellow human beings on earth. Quit talking about you Vertically okay with God when your relationship, horizontal relationship with people is out of whack. 
Stop it. I said, stop it. I said, stop it. Because God says, relationally, you got to get it right with people. In other words, you can't control some people. I know some people are fools. I know some people who won't, who won't, who won't, who won't do whatever. But you're not responsible for them. You're only responsible for how you, how you act. Are you following me? So you do what you're supposed to do. And even if they are acting crazy, you keep doing what you're supposed to do. And God will honor you. Let's get ourselves emotionally healthy so that we can be spiritually mature. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.